by way of introduction here to what we're talking about this morning in this series called Connect, I want to tell you a story about our community pastor, Dave Lewis. Dave's our service host this morning. You saw him come up and do kind of our, our announcement time and our family time and, and introduce the service. And Dave knows the story I'm about to tell about him, and so he's already going red in the face with embarrassment. Um, the first time I met Dave face-to-face was on a Skype interview or a FaceTime interview, something, for the position that he now has here at Bayview Glen as the community pastor. We had talked on the phone, but we had never met face-to-face. So Dave and I got on the phone, and we met face-to-face, and I started asking him kind of, you know, those normal interview questions, right? You know, what are your strengths, and what are your weaknesses? And Dave's like, you know, my weaknesses are, I, you know, I love too much, I work too hard, you know, just the normal silly things that people just say about their weaknesses. You know, my weaknesses, hmm, yeah, I'm at a loss. Uh, No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. And so things were actually going really, really well. Uh, But the interview was going great until I asked Dave if he had any questions for me. And Dave said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And I said, shoot. And he said, why do you do community? If you're hiring me as the community pastor and you want me to kind of foster an environment for Christian community, that second kind of leg of our mission statement, why do you do that? Why do you do Christian community? And I thought, who has the search committee given me? This is just, this is absurd. Like, he's interviewing for the community pastor now. Community pastor, and he does not know why we do community. I said, Dave, There is a book that I highly recommend. It would just give you a great picture of why we do Christian community. It's called The Bible. Have you heard of it? And and the Bible talks about Christian community, and it tells us to do that, and you should pick it up and read it. The Bible says so, Dave. That's why we do Christian community, Dave. And Dave literally says, and I quote, that's actually not why we do community. So let's be clear as to what just happened here. Dave is interviewing for a job he actually wants. And he has just corrected, disagreed with his potential boss. Tell me how that would go in your life if you're interviewing for a role. So I oblige Dave again and I say, all right, Dave, if that's not why we do community, why do we do community? And Dave said, pretty close, this is pretty close to a quote, Um, we do community to move the mission of Jesus forward. We are partners with God in his restorative work in the world, and we do that together. Mission and vision is at the heart of community. Community isn't the end game. Mission is. I'm going to say it again. Community isn't the end game. Mission is. Community is what we do in order to accomplish mission and join God in his kingdom work. We hung up the phone, concluded the Skype interview. Dave walked into the other room and (laughs) said to his wife, Janelle, I completely messed that up. They're never going to hire me. I corrected my potential boss. And and I hung up the phone in the Skype interview, and I thought, we've got our guy. We've got our guy. Even though I haven't forgiven you for it, that's beside the point. The, (laughs) The point is that Dave is leading this part of our second, uh, second leg of our mission statement because he knows what community is about. It's about mission. Today, that's what we're going to talk about. We've been tracking through this series called Connect, and today we're talking about why the body of Christ connects in relationship, in friendship, in fellowship, and community. And today, is my, it's my hope that you would learn the value of connecting to one another, 
you would learn why we need those relationships and then see how those of us at Bayview Glen and for those of you who maybe don't attend here, and that's great, that's awesome, I'm going to hopefully give you some uh, practical ways that you can engage in community and find a place to belong even if uh, here at Bayview Glen is not where you find your place to belong. Most of all, my hope today is that you would see that mission is at the heart of true biblical community, okay? Let's pray together. God, we invite you to work. We invite you to speak. We invite you to um, transform our hearts and minds. Even for some of us, this might be a little bit of a shift in paradigm, but God, remind us that at the heart of your work in the world is mission, redemption, restoration of all things. So speak to us, O God, as we Open your word together. In Christ's name, God's people said, amen. Abraham Maslow, some of you are familiar with Abraham Maslow. He was a 20th century researcher and professor in the field of human psychology. His work was groundbreaking. In fact, he's among the top 10 most cited psychologists of all time. In 1943, Abraham Maslow published what would become his most influential work. It was an article entitled The Theory of Human Motivation. It was published in Psychology Journal, Psychology Today. In that article, Abraham Maslow suggested that human behavior is driven by a hardwired innate set of needs that's kind of uh, native to every human being. Maslow suggested that those needs could be articulated as a five-layer pyramid. The bottom layer of the pyramid represents the most basic needs, and each of the four subsequent layers working the way to the top represents an increasingly complex need. That pyramid is called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. How many of you are familiar with Maslow's Hierarchy? Great. Um, for Maslow, the most basic human needs at the bottom of the pyramid are physiological. Uh, these are basic requirements for human survival, food, water, air. We tend to meet those needs first, don't we? Because when we don't meet those needs, we are in deep yogurt. The second level of need is the need for safety. So once an individual's uh, physical needs are met for survival at that bottom layer, the next layer is the need for safety and security. You know, avoid natural disaster, avoid abuse, avoid war, because those things tend to infringe upon our survival needs. But according to Maslow, once our survival needs are met, and once our survival needs are secured, uh, on the third layer, our needs move from physical to relational. Does anyone have any idea what Maslow's third level of need is? Belonging. Belonging. That's the word that Maslow actually uses, belonging. He argued that belonging, our need to be loved, our need to be cared for, our need to be connected to one another is a fundamental human need. It motivates our behavior, it shapes our thoughts, it radically changes who we are. Maslow even observed that our need to belong sometimes can trump our need for security. That's why you see a child cling to a very abusive parent because they're need for belonging has trumped their need for security. But that's not just true for kids, that's true for each and every one of us. We all long to belong. 
we all long to belong. You know why I love Maslow's research for a whole lot of reasons? But one of them is that Maslow focused on the top 1% of the university population. He went to colleges and universities. He taught at Columbia University, as a matter of fact. And he focused on the top tier, the top 1% of students there. He interviewed and, and focused his research on men and women like Albert Einstein, Frederick Douglass, and Eleanor Roosevelt. He focused his research on what he called exemplary individuals. In other words, Maslow is telling us by our research, by his research, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you do, and no matter how good you are at it, we all long to belong. If you don't believe me, Google it. Google tells you all the best information, doesn't it? Just Google it. And if you Googled uh, the necessity of belonging, you would find, you would read for days, weeks, and months about how a sense of belonging or lack thereof impacts children, adolescents, workplace culture, sports teams, and marriages, just to name a few. That we could reveal who we are and be loved anyway. That we would disclose our deepest secrets, deepest fears, and deepest insecurities, and simply hear the words from another, me too. That we would not be ashamed and not hide from others, but that we would remove the mask and find that we truly belong. This is foundational to what it means to be fully human. And you know why? Because God made us that way. God made us that way. Maslow might have observed it, but God created it. God hardwired you and me with an innate longing for belonging. We've talked about this before, but remember, as God created, he repeated that phrase, it was good after every creative act. Sun, it was good. Day and night, it was good. Land and water, it was good. Fish, birds, mammals, it was good. Man, it was good. And the very first time in the scripture that God says it is not good, he looks at all that he created and he simply declares this, it is not good for the man to be, say it with me, alone. In other words, it's not good for our longing for belonging to go unfulfilled. So God creates a perfect companion for man in order to meet his need for belonging and calls her woman. The two become one flesh in marriage and belong together. But God didn't stop with marriage. He gave us friends. He gave us family. He gave us the church, mentors, teachers, all to fulfill that need to belong. God gave us one another in order to meet our need for belonging. He created us with a longing for belonging, and then in his grace, he provided for all of our needs. But Adam and Eve rebelled. And the cosmos fractured and something inside of them fractured and when that fracture took place watch this now when sin entered the world take a look at what Adam and Eve do they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths now I find this fascinating listen to me now listen to me the very first post sin instinct was to hide from one another isn't that interesting Eventually they hid from God, but immediately they hid from one another. Their need to belong, their need to be loved and understood and unashamed that was part of their original design would now go unmet because of their sin when they hid from one another. But God, 
in his grace, provided a plan for redemption in order to make all things new, including a restoration of that sense of belonging. Now, if I were God, which I am not, by the way, and I desired to restore a sense of belonging that was broken by sin, here's what I would do. I would create clubs and nations and cliques. I would create organizations, foundations, and teams. I would create guilds, societies, associations, groups, denominations, unions, fraternities, sororities, alliance and alliances, and yes, indeed, Costco memberships, all so that man's longing for belonging would be fulfilled. But good thing I'm not God. For a lot of reasons, not the least of which is because that doesn't work. Belonging that deep sense that we have to connect with others that God hardwired into each and every one of us goes far beyond joining a club. You know that intuitively, don't you? It goes far beyond joining a club. It's a deep sense of interpersonal connection and abiding joy that comes only when we reflect God's image and that doesn't happen in a club. It happens on mission. So instead of creating clubs... God invited us to join with him in his mission. Now, that's pretty cool. He says to us, I'm redeeming all that I've created. I'm inaugurating my kingdom. I've started a gracious work that I will complete. Now, join me, won't you? Work with me, and you will find belonging in the context of mission. Why? Because belonging is a byproduct of mission. Belonging is a byproduct of mission. Stick with me now because this is critical for where we're going this morning and what we want to establish. Belonging is a byproduct, but it's not the ultimate aim. Yes, Christian community is God's design and desire, but it's an outgrowth of mission. Belonging is a gracious gift of God that we receive when we choose to join God in his redemptive work. And when we join God in his redemptive work, we belong to him. And we belong to one another. And we belong to a work and a mission that's far greater than any one of us. What that means is this. If we simply pursue belonging, if we simply go after Christian community, if we simply say we want a fellowship together, we actually won't get that deep need for belonging fulfilled. Not kidding. We'll lose it if that's what we go after. But if we pursue mission, a mission to reach those who don't yet know Jesus, we get radical, rich, life-changing belonging thrown in. I'll show it to you in the scripture, but listen to how C.S. Lewis puts it. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, put first things first, and you get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both first and second things. You can't get second things by putting them first. You get second things only by putting first things first. In God's kingdom, his mission to redeem all things, to restore all things, his kingdom plan is the first thing. Belonging is the second thing that we receive as a gracious gift of God. Isn't that awesome? But it happens when we pursue the first thing, and that's mission. And so Christ-honoring, Christ-exalting mission is the catalyst for Christian community, not the other way around. Belonging is a byproduct of mission. 
And from the first page of the scripture to the very last, when man takes God up on that offer, when man joins God in his mission, we find a place to belong. But when man pursues his own mission, belonging falls apart. I'll just give you some examples so you know that I'm not just blowing smoke. Adam and Eve rebelled, pursued their own mission rather than God's, and when they did that, their interpersonal relationship was fractured and belonging fell apart. Anybody hear of the Tower of Babel? When man tried to build a tower to his own glory instead of God's glory, what happened? They scattered. They couldn't communicate. They fractured and belonging fell apart. When the nation of Israel pursued its own desires rather than the mission of God, what happened? The kingdom divided and belonging fell apart. When the church is inwardly focused rather than accomplishing God's mission in the world, what happens? Fighting, division, gossip, fractured community, and belonging falls apart. Let's look at some positive examples. Look back at the book of Nehemiah, chapter 7, if you've got your Bibles. We've been tracking through Nehemiah uh, in, in our series, and we're going to conclude it today. Look back at Nehemiah, and we'll be in chapter 7, for some positive examples of how when man joins God in his mission, we find a place to belong. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. The scripture is up here on the screen. But remember this, that the nation of Israel was in exile. Their homeland and capital city of Jerusalem lay in ruins. They were refugees, exiles, and servants of a foreign empire. In other words, God's people had no place to belong. So Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem in order to rebuild the city wall, and despite opposition, he completed that work in 52 days. But once the wall was completed and the city was restored, look what happens in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 4. It's up here on the screen. Nehemiah writes this. He says, The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been rebuilt. What's happening here? The city is completed, but the people are still scattered. So Nehemiah issues a call, and the exiles begin to return to Jerusalem. And if you look at the rest of chapter 7, you can even glance at it right there in your Bible if you've got your Bible in front of you. Nehemiah goes one by one through each family in Israel, and he tells us exactly how many exiles from each family returned to Jerusalem. Skip down to the close of the chapter, verse 73. Nehemiah writes this. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. Now, that might seem insignificant to you that the people of Israel were in their towns, but what is Nehemiah telling us? He's telling us the exiles have returned. The people are in their towns. God's work to rescue and redeem his people and bring them back home is now complete. God's people once again had a place to belong. This moment in the book of Nehemiah is so significant that the rest of the book is just praise, adoration, and thanksgiving for God doing his gracious, restorative work. And all of those praiseworthy things that happened, including belonging, were a result of what? Mission. Nehemiah joining God in his mission to restore Jerusalem. How about, how about this one? How about the quintessential Bible passage in the New Testament on Christian community? 
the, the, the definitive description of what the church is supposed to look like, uh, uh, the definitive description in the New Testament especially on belonging. Bible nerds. How many Bible nerds in the room? Tyndale students? Yeah, all right, good. Here's a pop quiz for you. If I ask you to describe Christian community, how the church is supposed to work, tell me what book of the Bible you would go to to do that. Acts, good for you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It's right up here on the screen. Ready? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You can pull that down. And, and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who were believe, believed had everything in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Put that slide back up here, and we're going to read it together. Everybody read this with me. And day by day, seriously, read it with me. Oh, there we go. That was the problem. I got angry at you, didn't I? We're even for sitting down without anybody telling you from before. We're even now. We're even. All right? Read it with me. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's belonging, isn't it? People selling their goods to provide for others. The church meeting daily, everyone together, everything in common, everyone with a place to belong. But watch this. Churches too often make the mistake of reading Acts 2, 42 through 47 and saying, let's do that. Let's create a sense of belonging here. Let's start some small groups to talk about Jesus stuff. And it doesn't work. You know why? Because the early church didn't have small groups to talk about Jesus stuff. They had a mission. Too often we forget what precedes Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's not difficult. What precedes Acts 2, 42 through 47? Acts 2, 1 through 41. And what precedes Acts 2? Acts 1. And what precedes Acts 1? The Great Commission. So let's go back. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, says to his disciples, go make more disciples. What's he give them? A mission. Then in Acts 1, Jesus promises that the Spirit would empower the disciples to accomplish the mission. Then in Acts 2, Jesus fulfills his promise, doesn't he always? And the scripture, or the scripture, the spirit descends on the disciples and empowers them to accomplish the mission. They're speaking in languages that they did not know before. They're being bold in their faith. The crowd thinks that they're all drunk and Peter's like, it's 9 a.m. What time do you start drinking? Then he shares the gospel message with clarity and courage. And everyone is on mission together to make disciples. And disciples get made, 3,000 of them, by the way. And then and only then does Luke describe what came out of the byproduct of mission. And he writes this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Why? Because belonging is a byproduct of mission. Can you imagine with me if the disciples would have said to one another, Jesus rose from the dead, let's start some small groups. People would have said to them, you're nuts. Like, 
you're nuts. Somebody rose from the dead and you're going to start a small group? Like nobody rose from the dead if that's what you're doing with it. But that's not what happened, is it? Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples got on mission and they met together daily. And it just so happened that they met together in groups that were small (laughs) and they encouraged each other to stay on mission. They supported each other in the mission. They looked at each other and said, you still on mission? Yeah, I'm still on mission. You still on mission? Good. Let's pray about the mission. Let's read about the apostles' teachings on the mission because we're committed to the mission to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. And they all found a place to belong when they stayed on mission. You see, Belonging is a byproduct of mission. Over and over again, we see it. When we are on mission, we find belonging. And when we're not, we fall apart. I cannot overstate how this principle has captivated my attention and focus again as I've studied for this message this week. As I look back over the course of my life, I find the places where I feel the most belonging, where that sense and need to find a place to belong in me is most fulfilled is when I joined God and others in his grand redemptive plan, in his kingdom work. When I worked internationally in some of the poorest areas of the world, when I linked arms with other college students in my community to serve the prostitutes in our city, when I've served on a staff with an elder board like I do here at Bayview Glen, when we're all together on mission for the gospel, when Amy and I, in our marriage, stop focusing on ourselves and start getting on mission with God, we find our sense of belonging or our need for belonging is fulfilled. When I stop stop pursuing church words like community and fellowship and start pursuing the redemptive mission of Jesus, I find the greatest sense of belonging. When I put first things first, I get that second thing thrown in, and it's glorious. This is our hope at Bayview Glen, that our belonging together would be fueled by mission. That we would belong together because we're on mission together to glorify God, foster community here at Bayview Glen Church and around this great city and make disciples. And in mission, we would find belonging. Okay, let's wrap this up. You ready? Don't nod too emphatically. Yes, let's just wrap this up. Then you make me feel bad. Okay, let's wrap it up. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you four practical applications, four things that you can do today to join God in his mission and as you do that find that that need to belong that need to connect that need for fellowship that need for friendship that need for Christian community to look in the eyes of another and have them say me too can be fulfilled but it only happens when we get on mission together here's four practical ways to do that ready first serve serve People come in my office regularly and say, I want to connect at Bayview Glen. I want to find a place to belong here. I want to find Christian community here. I want to find fellowship here. How do I do that? My first question out of the box every time is, where are you serving? Where are you serving? 
if you are going to come into my office and come talk to me about belonging, about fellowship, about Christian community, just know I'm going to help you. I'm going to walk you through that. We're going to have that conversation. But just know that my first question out of the box for you is going to be, where are you serving? Why? Because serving at your church, serving your church, serving the city, serving the community, serving those who don't know Jesus, getting outside of yourself and putting someone else above yourself is missional. It's joining God in his mission, and in that you find belonging. You can serve all over the place here. You can serve in our children's ministry. You can serve at Toronto Alliance Church. We go down there on the fifth Saturday of the month and serve at a soup kitchen down there downtown. You can serve at our fan seniors luncheon and put food in front of seniors and tell them you love them, you care about them, and they have a place to belong here. You can usher. You can greet. You can host at our newcomers lunch. If you can sing, and that's a big if, you can serve in the choir. You can serve as a host in one of our training courses. You can be a small group facilitator. You can serve in our ESL ministry, which is booming and busting at the seams, by the way. You can serve at Awana, which is booming and busting at the seams, by the way. You name it, you can find a place to serve, and in serving, you'll find a place to belong. This isn't in my notes, so I just wanted to share it with you. We did a survey of our congregation maybe a year, year and a half ago. And we ask people, uh, do, do you have a place to belong, a place to call home, a Christian community outside of this corporate worship environment? What else are you doing here at Bayview Glen? And the second most popular answer for places that people are finding a place to belong here at Bayview Glen, the second most popular answer was the choir. The choir. The choir isn't a small group. You know what it is? It's a people that have joined together to get on mission, to declare the praise of him who brought them out of darkness into his wonderful light, to edify the body of Christ, to serve our community. I went to the choirs like little, you know, they had like a year-end gathering thing. Man, that's a community of people that have found a place to belong on mission. You want to find a place to belong, serve. Number two. Take a courageous walk, and here's the caveat, and tell someone. <laughs> Take a courageous walk and tell someone. If you don't know what courageous walk is, two weeks ago, Dave Hearn, the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, came and preached here and exhorted us, encouraged us, motivated us to Take a courageous walk across the cul-de-sac, to take a courageous walk across your office, to take a courageous walk across your classroom, to take a courageous walk to your neighbor or friend or family member or coworker, and to do that, to take that courageous walk in order to tell someone about the saving grace of Jesus. And can I tell you something? That takes boldness, doesn't it? We get a little bit scared sometimes, don't we? Maybe we run out of answers. Maybe we kind of step on ourselves a little bit and don't do a great job sharing whatever you know, we're trying to share. Maybe, maybe it feels a little awkward. Maybe people say no thanks. Maybe they even get offended. But that's why it's called a courageous walk. <laughs> and what happens is in making that courageous walk and in going through that experience, whether your friend says, hey, that's great for you, you know? You ever get that answer? Tell somebody about Jesus and go, that's great for you. What they mean by that is you are really strange. That's what they mean by that, just to clue you in. 
or you get somebody that rejects it, or you get somebody that doesn't, that doesn't want to hear what you have to say, or you get somebody that has questions about the scripture, and you have a difficult time answering them. Here's what happens when you take a courageous walk, and those things happen to you. You tell someone about it, and then what happens? You hear these words, me too. That happened to me too. I shared with a friend or family member. I shared with a coworker. I told them about the saving grace of Jesus and they didn't want to hear it. Me too. I told them about the saving grace of Jesus and they asked about some errors in the scripture or at least perceived errors and I didn't know how to answer that. Me too. I got really, really scared and my palms got sweaty and I almost vomited. Me too. Me too. And when you take a courageous walk and tell someone you find a place to belong. Number three. Number three, practical things you can do today. Create space for others to belong. See, when you're creating space for others, you're getting outside of yourself and you're getting on mission with Jesus. Yes, I mean hospitality. Yes, I mean opening your home. But I also mean taking someone out for coffee. I also mean wrapping your arm around someone here at church. I mean introducing yourself to someone new that you've never met before. I mean leaving that small group that you've been in for so long in order to free up some time to start another small group so that others can find a space to belong. Talk about courage. Creating space for others to find belonging moves the mission outward. It's focused on God and others. And when we do that, when we're creating space for others to belong, we find our need for belonging met as well. Number four. Tell your story. Tell your story. And here's the caveat, ready? For someone else's benefit. (laughs) For someone else's benefit. I want to tell you this morning that you have a story. You have a story about your faith in Jesus. Even if you don't know Jesus, did you know you have a story? Did you know you have a story? You know what? I'm investigating this Jesus thing. I went to church and the pastor was wearing an orange tie and it was crazy. You know, I didn't, like, you have a story. Share that with somebody. Do it for their benefit. Here's here's what I find. For me, when I share my stories, and I love to tell stories. My dad loves to tell stories. The apple does not fall far from the tree. It's fine. But sometimes when I share stories, I find that I'm doing that for my own benefit. You ever found that? You tell a story to make somebody think that you're cool or smart or funny or whatever. What if we flip that script? What if we begin to tell our faith story for someone else's benefit? What if we told our marriage story for somebody else's benefit? What if we told our divorce story for somebody else's benefit? How about your addiction story or your mission story? or your family story, or your prayer story, or your hope story, all for the sake of mission, to reach somebody else, to create a space for them to belong. I hear what you're going through. Can I tell you about a time in my life when God was faithful to me when I went through something similar? This is a missional move now because it's designed to reach and encourage the other person to help them find a place to belong. But you know, here's what happens, here's what happens. When you tell your story for someone else's benefit, you find a place to belong to. Do you know that research actually shows that, believe it or not? I was reading an article this week on CNN.com, which of course we know is one of the uh, most prominent Christian publications in the world. And, um, And there's a series of studies that's coming out of Stanford University, and the researchers in those studies at Stanford are studying belonging. 
They're studying how that process works. And what these researchers did in this study out of Stanford University is they took upperclassmen and paired those upperclassmen at Stanford with incoming freshmen. And the upperclassmen in the study felt lonely. They felt disconnected. They felt like they didn't belong. And they typically felt that way because of a negative or difficult experience. But when those upperclassmen who felt they didn't belong are paired with an incoming freshman in order to share about their negative or difficult experience, the researchers observed, and I quote, increased happiness, improved health, and reduced cognitive activation of negative stereotypes for, get this, several years after the initial intervention. It also prevented them from taking many daily adversities personally and interpreting them to mean that they didn't belong in general. In other words, the upperclassmen told their story for the benefit of another and found their own sense of belonging increased. Isn't that crazy? When you tell your story for someone else's benefit, you find a place to belong too. So how about you? What's your story? Who in your life is going through something right now that you've been through and who needs to hear your story? Who could benefit from your experience? And don't say nobody because that's not true. I'm just not going to let you believe a lie this morning. Nobody's not true. And don't say to me, once I belong somewhere, then I'll share. Don't do that either because when you share, you find a place to belong. When you join Jesus in his mission and share your story for the benefit of another, you find a place to belong. So who needs to hear your story? Who needs to hear your story? I know you're thinking of a name right now, so here's what we're going to do. Take out your cell phone. Take it out. Everybody take it out. Come on. Take out your cell phone. It's very rare that a pastor would tell you to take your cell phone out in a church, so take advantage of it, all right? What time is kickoff? One? You can't check scores or anything yet. You can, you can, you can swap who you're starting in fantasy league football if you want to do that. The rest of us are going to get on mission with Jesus, all right? So here's what you're going to do. You're going to shoot somebody a text that needs to hear your story. Coffee this week? Question mark. Lunch this week? Question mark. Skype this week, question mark, FaceTime, favorite beverage, whatever that just so happens to be, iced tea, whatever. Shoot somebody a text, reach out. Say, I know what you're going through. I just want to tell you my story about how God was faithful to me in the midst of it. And in sharing your story, you will find a place to belong. As we move forward here at Bayview Glen in this mission to glorify God, foster community, and make disciples, as I mentioned before, Dave Lewis is going to be leading that second leg of our mission of fostering community, of creating spaces for us to belong. And so here's what we've done. We've sent out what's called a belonging survey. It's 12 very, very easy questions. There are no right or wrong answers. And we did it via email. We also have hard copies available just outside at the info center. Here's what we're wanting to glean. Here's the information we'd like to get. We'd like to know how we as a staff can serve you in doing exactly what I just talked about, creating spaces for others to belong. How can we come alongside of you? How can we join with you as you join with God in his mission and find places to belong? We would love it if you would provide some feedback for us and complete that survey. Like I said, there is no right or wrong answer, but there's also no reward at the end of it other than the satisfaction of having completed a survey. So 
We've sent out an email. If you're not receiving those emails, just note that on your tear-off card and your bulletin. You can give, give it to me or bring it to the info center. Again, there's hard copies at the info center. We just want to know how we can serve you because our mission here is to create spaces for people to belong such that we can be on mission with God and his grand redemptive plan. Let's close together and our worship team is going to come up and lead us in one final song. God, many of us know this intuitively that that mission is paramount. That your desire to call men and women to yourself, that your desire, your plan, your commitment to make all things new is the first thing. But we forget sometimes. We get internally focused. We become navel gazers a little bit. And we're talk about how to create community among us. And, and the reality is, God, you invite us to join with you in your mission. And as we do that, we find a place to belong as we serve, as we tell our story, as we create space for others, as we join you in your mission. So remind us today, oh God, may you give each of us just one thing we can do today. Just one thing that we can do today to join you in your mission and find that our deep need for belonging is met. In Christ's name, the people of God with enthusiasm said, amen. Hey, let's stand together and close as we sing.